are back. And we're black. And this week, uh, we're a little late, mostly because I started watching The Get Down and didn't realize that the pilot is a feature-length film. Yes, that is, um, well, with Netflix, there is no standard runtime. Even in, So I've only seen two episodes. The first episode was 90 minutes, and I didn't realize that. And I was watching it thinking, when is this going to be over? Yeah. Then it, I realized it was an, a 90-minute pilot. It's longer because of all the black guys. But then in the... <laughs> and then in the... But the, the second episode is like 59 minutes long as well. And I don't know about the subsequent run times, but I mean, I love TV. Um, but I don't like an, an hour-long run time. It's exhausting, like the second episode. And not that I don't like the show. I do have some... Some, some reservations about the show, but maybe they'll be cleared up by the time I get to the end of the sixth episode. They've also broken it up, so there's six episodes, uh, and then they're going to drop the next six in 2017, something to do with the, with the production schedule. Um, but when I get to the 15-minute mark, I'm kind of exhausted, and I feel like the show, there's a lot of padding um, in any show. I mean, this was like a classic problem with Sons of Anarchy, where they could make a length they could make an episode any length they wanted, so some would be like 67 minutes long, and they were just too long. Uh, and that's kind of my problem. With at least the, the second episode of The Get Down, I'm like, okay, we could have wrapped this up in about 15 minutes less. I mean, there's a lot of table setting, and the thing, the luxury they have in a Netflix show is they don't really have to cut for time, and they give everybody sort of a lot of backstory and time to build their whole thing. So that I get and I understand. The part that I wish I had known, I knew it was coming, but I didn't do any research, didn't read about it because I didn't want to be spoiled at all. I just knew based on between that and Queen Sugar, that's like the things that people are most excited about oh, on yes. my Twitter feed. Yeah. I was super hyped for it and I didn't read anything and I didn't realize it was Baz Luhrmann. So I got to the end of the first episode and I was like, oh, well, then, like, that explains half of the sort of, you know, disjointed operatic yes. it's giving me it's giving me a lot more actual Romeo and Juliet even than it's giving me any of his later stuff although it's giving me tastes like of other things in I terms of felt his, the Romeo and Juliet stuff. yeah yeah his kind of you know wandering story structure yeah. but then like a hot visual then you drop back and it's just like musical throughout like the movement and everything and I feel like honestly it's almost surprising to me that it took him this long to find you know, a black people story to tell because really this lines up with everything that he loves, like bright colors and beats and music and visuals. So I feel like Baz Luhrmann and black people, it's a perfect marriage. Yeah, I was actually surprised because it, this is, I mean, with the exception of the character played by Kevin Corrigan, I can't recall, and you know, just some various extras, there are no significant white characters in the thing at all. There's Hispanic and black characters. Um, and uh, Baz Luhrmann actually only directed the first episode, but the second episode um, follows, like you can, I mean, that's the whole thing when you have a director who directs the first episode of a TV show. And this happens famously where you get people who are film directors who come in and direct the first episode of a drama and they get executive producer credit and all the other shows follow that template because they set the tone for the entire piece. So I feel like that's at least been followed through um, in the second episode. I guess the guys that are playing the mayors, those are the other white guys. Uh, uh, yeah, but... I mean, is that archival footage, though, or is it uh, the... No, no, no so the they're guy, new actors. So the guy who's playing uh, Koch is... Uh, he's, a, he's a simulacrum of Koch. Uh, but I don't know how much... I wouldn't call them minor... Uh, sorry, I wouldn't call them uh, 
characters necessarily. I don't know if they come back in subsequent episodes, but they're not in the second episode. I felt like the first episode was really just establishing what the Bronx, what the South Bronx were like in 1977. Um, so... I don't know if Ed Koch is a recurring character on the TV show or if that was just to establish what kind of crisis the South Bronx were in in the 1970s. Um, and uh, I am going to say that I'm looking forward to, years from now, a bunch of children being named Robin. some <laughs> combination of Shaolin Fantastic or just a straight-up Shaolin Fantastic. Yes, or Ra Ra or Boo Boo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are some great names. I or do, Papa Fuerte. Who's Papa Fuerte? Papa Fuerte is the Jimmy. That's his oh, character's that's, nickname. Oh, see, but they call him Francisco and Cisco. I haven't heard them call him Papa Fuerte yet. Apparently, that's his street name. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, but this also, like, the, when it comes down to episode length, this also happened with um, Arrested Development. Arrested Development at twenty-two minutes is tight, and that's the problem. Is that when uh, filmmakers get indulged and what writer or director is going to want to cut anything. So if you give people an unlimited runtime, I think it does end up with a baggier product. I think the show would be better if it were tighter. Um, once again... That's what he said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but once again, only two episodes in. Um, but the kids in the show are fantastic. Like They're totally killing it. But I don't know if you saw... Have you seen the trailer for The Get Down? Have you ever seen the trailer? I watched a trailer on Twitter, and even that, I was like, oh no, I feel like I've seen too much. Well, my only complaint is about the weight that the characters get. When I saw the trailer, speaking of Romeo and Juliet, it really does make it look like it's, uh, it makes it look like Mylene is a major character. And so far in the first two episodes, she's really, she's off the screen a lot of times. Uh, you see Zeke. I feel like we won't need her till the end when we need like the the lady soul break in whatever tracks they lay down for their final big performance album situation. I'm just guessing. Like I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, but the way that the trailer made it look, it looked as though Zeke and uh, and Mylene were the two principals, and everything else happened around them. But it's really Zeke and Shaolin Fantastic who are the principals. Like they are the central couple, and everything else is happening. But was that just a marketing decision based on what they thought would be an easier sell? Well, yeah, like I'm not suggesting that they went back and recut it, but it's weird that they positioned the trailer for this show as something that it really isn't. At least that's how I interpreted it. Once again, maybe she comes back and she plays a bigger role, but she really hasn't been a huge presence in the first two episodes. She's like, she's, you know, I think she's probably like the, the fourth or fifth most... most. Uh, well, she was a lot in episode one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that whole, like, fantasy disco dancing, that was the most strictly ballroom moment, actually. Yeah, totally. That yeah, was... Club. Oh, my God. What's it called? Les... Les... Les Inferno? Les Inferno, yes. Yeah. It <laughs> was... makes no sense. That was... As a name. That was a combination, yes. actually, of Moulin Rouge yes. and Strictly Ballroom. Yes. So, kids, if you've never watched any of the Baz Luhrmann oeuvre as a methadone after you get through the get-down, you might want to check out any one of those. You just need to, you know, do some adjustments for Strictly Ballroom for the uh, accent. Yeah. That'll take you a second. Uh, but, uh, honestly, it's probably the one closest to this in terms of... Um, Sheer unfettered joy. Yeah. And, you know, real performances that yeah. feel like real people talking to each other in the real world. Uh, his subsequent films become more and more stylized. This one is probably the closest. And the stylized moments, like Shaolin Fantastic sliding down the rock the wall rock, yeah, as yeah. he's... You know, those are just... There's just a touch. It's not, you know, the flying green fairy of Kylie Minogue in the absence scene in Moulin Rouge. Yeah. It's not sort of full-out trippy fantastic. It's just like, just a kiss of fantasy 
And it's also, uh, Strictly Ballroom and uh, The Get Down are also the most technical of his uh, productions because they spend so much time going over just the technique of like finding um, the beat in a record. They spend like several minutes of screen time. Yes. Uh, and Strictly Ballroom was about, you know, I can't remember who was the ballroom dancer, but there were like, there was, uh, there were a couple who were going to be ballroom dancers and spent a lot of the movie watching them rehearse. And it's cool to get back to that. So even though there is a lot of fantasy, there was a lot of technical precision in what you're watching on the screen. So, I mean, you've seen people DJ for years, but I have no idea how they actually do it. Like, and actually finding, you know, like, I, I love the scene. Actually, maybe you're not there yet. I'm not there yet. Yes, but there is a scene. It's not much of a spoiler, but there is a scene where Grandmaster Flash actually drills a bit of a hole in the record so that's ex- exactly the spot where the break is oh. and like it makes it look like magic but there is yeah but there's there's there is some pre- a magician showing yes. how yes there is some precision to the art and that's how, how the job gets squashed yes. and that's how he finds yeah where the break is every single time so fast it's very cool i never thought about how they did it i just thought they could just do it yeah thought it, thought they were magicians yeah because you know that they have those headphones on one ear and then they go to another deck it's just, but yeah there is it's not as easy as it looks, obviously, but yeah, there, there's there's more there's more to it than just you know being able to have these great set of ears and be able to sync up where the break is. That party looked amazing in the first episode. The do you want to go to the dopest party? And I was just oh, like, this, yeah, the party's yeah. not going to be that. Oh my god, this looks like the best yes. party ever. You know, you see parties in movies or on TV shows, and everything you can tell people are dancing, but there's no real music yes, playing, or they're not using the same track that ends up in the in the movie. And I don't know if these are the best dancing to know music extras in the world, but I feel like there must have been real music playing. This would be my question if I could ask Baz Luhrmann anything. Were you actually playing music at that party? If not, you need to nail those extras down and like keep them for everything where you ever need people dancing in the background because that looked like the dopest party ever. And so this music, uh, it's this movie, it's not a movie, this TV show. Um, so Grandmaster Flash is a character, but he's also a producer. I think DJ Cool Herc might be involved. There's all these... Uh, original hip hop artists who were involved with the production to make it be as authentic as it can be. Yeah. So I have a feeling that, I mean, this is just my fantasy, but my fantasy is that they threw a big party and they shot for hours and they did a guerrilla style and they got the dialogue, but they also shot people having a good time at a party. And maybe that's why it feels so real because the extras were, just, were having a great time. Absolutely. I think that was part of it. I think also just it's the time and the clothes and once you put people in those Afro puffs and those yeah. like high shorts and the whatever, you know, and just spray them down. Like, were they really hot? Were they actually hot? Or did they I just spray them down with like, you know, the kind of porn combo of like, like KY listening? and yeah, water? Or, I don't know. It's I, just, to I want to know so many af- details about that. But it looked authentic. That. Like yeah. they looked seriously hot all the time. But yeah. also, uh, and I don't know for a fact, but there's no, there can't be a coincidence that this is uh, set in the summer of 77, but... Like this is the year of the of the New York blackout too. Oh wow! And the blackout happened in mid July in uh, in seventy seven. So that has to play a part of this show. Yeah, I've heard other people talk about why movies sort of set any time before the early eighties. That element of having people look constantly sweaty, like it adds something to the way it looks and feels. Like it puts you mentally in that time. Yeah. But yeah, they just look sweaty, but they look great again. Uh, title of the episode that we have with Floyd, good lighting for black people is no joke. The lighting on this 
is so good because these children are beautiful and you can see every one of them. And they're all different. They're a rainbow. Yeah. You can have good lighting for Justice Smith and Shabik Moore. Yeah. They can and look the great. Yeah. Exactly. It's not impossible, Hollywood. Get it together. And whoever's doing the makeup, also, great job. Yeah. Even the wigs. Like those Afro wigs oh. are... They're it. Know, perfect. And I They're say, everything. Like, those are up there with those Jerry Curl wigs that they had from uh, Straight Outta Compton. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those Jerry Curl wigs. They made, like, the back of my shirt feel greasy. greasy. Yeah. Uh, and, like, surprises of surprises in this. Uh, I actually am kind of falling in love a little bit with Jaden Smith, who... I know! He puts himself very nicely. And he has the nicest speaking voice. Mm. I'd never heard the boy talk before. Um, but he actually... Like, and his character is a bit offbeat. Like, he's... But I imagine he is too. Oh, he's totally, like, he's, I, Will and Jada have raised two fools. <laughs> like, that's, I, I hate the child in real life. He talks a bunch of bullshit, but. They've raised two very artsy children. Yeah. Who've been encouraged to explore. Yeah, well, and. That's the nice way of saying that they've raised two fools. Um, but he is so likable in this TV show. And I thought, oh my God, like, he's going to, I thought that his presence would actually detract. But I find whenever there's a scene. And he's not a central character, but when he's in a scene and he's in the background, I'm drawn to his face. Like, without his stupid real life hairdo, he's yeah. wearing that big afro, and he's yeah. wearing like those jeans, and and his and his, he's wearing like a, it's like a, his little painted like jean jacket. Yeah, number. like a jean jacket. It has like a fur collar, like a full oh. fur collar, and no arms. Oh my but, god! But he's a, he's adorable. And, I love that look, and I love the sound of his voice. So he's actually so I'm I'm looking for more time with him. Can I tell you, I'm looking forward to next summer when, like, cut-off sleeve jean jacket with a fur collar is going to be a look that's happening because of this show, because I need that back in my life. I had a jacket like that once. I had sort of, like, a fur collar. It wasn't a jean jacket. It was, like, sort of a knit sweater thing, and it cost way too much. I was in university, but I saved and saved and saved for it. I got it on discount, and that was, like, my going-out jacket. Like, I would wear it with, like, very little underneath (laughs) and very little, like, on the bottom sort of quadrant, but it was... That was like my party jacket. Well, why don't you get ahead of the curve and wear it this summer? I mean, it. It's it's plenty hot. Well, actually, it's, it's too from, hot to wear. It's from twenty years ago. No, I could probably barely fit my my wrist. No, in I'm, not, I'm not saying that one, but if yeah. you're saying it's going to be on trend, if you're trend watching for oh, next year, I need. But I would probably need to fashion it out of something. I probably need to take two things together. Oh, you'd have to get a yeah. jacket that had that collar. I could take the, the fur that I've removed sleeves. from the hoods of one of my many winter jackets, yes. and then get that stitched onto the collar of like a jean jacket. Yeah, DIY. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. Well, I mean, you've still got. Quite frankly, it's going to be about a month and a half before you can wear it in the city. Yeah. Uh, without sweating it straight through. So maybe you could bring up the look back for like late summer, early fall 2016. Yeah. Or I could just go on Etsy and see if somebody's already done one up. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then you just have to get some... Uh, Somebody in Brooklyn is making this right now. Yeah, and you just need to get a lot of... There's one uh, screenshot I've seen of him and he's wearing a similar jacket, but it's full of like little tiny pins. So just get... you know, So... Yeah. I mean, that used to be a thing in the 80s. But yeah, just get a whole bunch of peace pins and just stick them all over your vest. Like, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I used to, you know, paint all my bags and whatever. Like, not jean jackets, because I was too scared of getting beaten for painting on my clothes. But <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So, I'm also interested to see what the discussion is like about the show. I don't know if it, there will be a discussion. I don't know if it'll stay underground and if these no. people won't make it on the talk shows or whatever. Because I just can't wait for sort of mainstream entertainment media to try to start pronouncing these names <laughs> i'm super excited yeah i mean the the two leads uh the two male leads they can sound it out but pretty much south of that it's gonna get 
it's going to get offensive or a lot of corrections real fast. Yeah. 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 Although, great to see Giancarlo Esposito out in them streets again. Yeah. Um, don't love his character. Don't love that arc. But once no. again, it's too soon to tell. I hope it's too soon to tell. I don't like Jimmy Smith's makeup at all. I feel like they went a little over the top. Uh, what do you mean his makeup? Like his wig and his, like oh, okay. his whole look. Oh, like, right, 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 That's yeah. just, no. Yes. Hard pass. I do enjoy Fat Annie's eye makeup, though. It oh, my like, God. Fat Annie, she's like Black Ursula. Yes, because her eyes are this yeah. weird. She's giving me straight up yes. Little Mermaid yes. Ursula. Yes. 100%. That wig that yeah. she keeps on when she's banging young Shaolin. It's like she's, she. you're, you're 100% right. She even dresses in uh, iridescent dresses that evoke a... I bet she would rock a fit and flare all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she cosplays as Ursula, I bet, every yeah, Comic Con. Like, when I, yeah, whenever time I, if that Annie were in a Comic Con. Every Comic-Con. time I look at her face, I, like, I'm mesmerized by her eyes. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. Like, I'm just like, I just probably just should freeze frame and just, and maybe try to copy that look, but I don't have enough eyeshadow in here to. to I think it off. was Joanna Robinson this week, she tweeted uh, when the Olympics started that uh, next time she gets her makeup done, she's going to ask for a Russian gymnast. I feel like <laughs> the intersection of Russian gymnast Fat and Annie. Fat Annie, like yeah. that's, if I was going to go for a dramatic eye, yes. that's where I want to go. Yes, very well, yeah. It's, it's a bit over the top. Not everyone can pull it off. But, you know, if you're wearing your best with your pins on it, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll like look together. All right, well, we're going to take a little break, get some more to drink. And we'll be back to talk about the rest of your picks, because we only got through about half of them last week. Yes. All right. And we're back. And we're so black. And we're trying to get through the rest of Mel's picks. So, previously on the podcast. <laughs> this should be at the top of the show. Previously on. And it's just me telling you what my, what my picks are from last time. Mel realized that there were some common threads in how she picked films. Yes. Whether it was by who was in it, who made it. Word uh, of mouth. Or just some... Subject sh- matter, yeah. A slug line that yeah. really resonated. I believe the best example of that was the one about the... The Bollywood porn star. Yes. Yeah, like, I gotta see that. I don't care if it's good or bad. Exactly. Um, I've never seen a movie like that, and I never will again. So Slugline was porn actress turned Bollywood, Bollywood starlet. Yeah. That's it. That's all you yeah, need to I'm know. Yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, okay. so... That's what all of her lovers said. Now... Except the one who had a big dick. Oh, my goodness. Now, we are <laughs> going to the remainder of your picks that we didn't get to discuss last week. Yes, and so uh, this time... Uh, it's by actor and by word of mouth. There actually, I mean, strangely enough, there aren't that many choices by actor because uh, that's typically not how I pick my movies, uh, unless it's, I mean, Jessica Chastain, in which case it's a no-brainer. Um, so, uh, Trespass Against Us, it's... Uh, is she your Juno Temple? Because Juno Temple is kind of my... Well, yeah, like, I don't need to know what it is. I will watch it, and I will most likely enjoy it. Um, yeah, so I'm like... I'm, Did I can't you see Coriolanus? Uh, I've not seen Coriolanus yet. It was all right. Uh, but I actually saw um, Huntsman, The Winter's, Winter's War, and I liked it, so. Oh, wow. Okay. But, but Emily Blunt is another one. Emily Blunt in a movie, I will see it. Okay, yeah. So you She's could, you, fantastic. The two yeah. of them in a movie, of course I'm going to see it, and chances are I'm going to like it, even if nobody else does. Like, and I'm you just, know what? I'm very biased when it comes to those two. And I love Thor. Ooh. Yes. 
Uh, yeah, I love I, I love Hemsworth too. Yeah, like he's I wouldn't see a movie because he's in it, but he would I would not say oh like he's not he's not a deterrent. No, he's like a good he's a bonus value add. Yeah, he's a value exactly. Um, so uh, trespass against us, uh, the son and presumptive heir of a British criminal clan, Michael Fassbender, comes into conflict with the family patriarch uh, Brendan Gleeson when he tries to break away from the low from the outlaw life. So uh, Michael Fassbender, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, sold. Yeah, that's sounds good. good. Uh, that that even smells a little bit like a possible Jane pick, but we still don't know how. Oh, did you answer your? Uh... No, I actually i I held back on my panicked tweet because I realize every year I scare, scare the programmers, yes. not just her, but mostly her. Yes, but I scare the programmers a little bit more Too every zealous. year. Yes, I don't need a restraining order against a festival that I donate money to. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, next choice is. King of the Dance Hall. So Nick Cannon directs and stars. And the reason that I went with this is because Nick Cannon was such a revelation in Chirac. Like he, he was amazing in Chirac. And That's Drumline is yes. still a classic. I Drumline's on on the level of uh, Bring It On for if I see it on TV, I'll end up watching the whole thing. But he, what was the space of time between Drumline and? Uh, and Chirac, about 15 years. But that the point is, with an actor like him, it means he always had it, he just couldn't get the work because exactly. Hollywood. Exactly, so uh, based on the strength of his performance in Chirac and how against type it was, uh, I'm willing to, like I'm anxious to see what his follow-up is. Um, so it's a high-energy musical about a young man from Brooklyn who gets caught up in the vibrant Kingston music scene during a visit to Jamaica. So, I mean, that could go either way. It sounds fun, though. Yeah, yeah. So It almost I, sounds like everything we like about Chirac and everything I like about Drumline. Yeah, and it's, you know, and, and he's also, uh, this might be his first time directing, so yeah, I'm kind of, I'm very curious about this. This might be one of those choices where I make um, a decision based on how interesting it sounds, um, but yeah, hopefully it goes, uh, hopefully it's, it's success and not one of my, uh, oh God, what did I, what was I thinking? So, hey, listeners out there, if you like big booties and cannot lie and want an excuse to watch them and not feel like a creep watching videos on BET, this might be a good movie oh, for yeah. you. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of whining. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. There'll yeah. be a lot of shorts and black ladies and yeah. dancing that will make you feel excited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, my last pick by actor is City of Tiny Lights. Um, so it's set in modern-day London. A seemingly straightforward missing persons case launches a down-at-heel uh, private eye, played by Riz Ahmed from Nightcrawler and uh, The Night Up, which is kill- uh, it's right on, it's right on, it's on HBO right now. Um, and uh, Riz Ahmed is an actor who I'm a lot of interest in. He's actually in um, Rogue One as well. Really? Yeah. Um, I... I do not know who this person is. You know who this kid? Oh my god, he's like a more handsome Jeff Patel. Sorry, Jeff Patel. Yes, yeah, totally. Did you not see uh, Nightcrawler? I did not see Nightcrawler. And you're not watching the Night of? No. Yeah, this kid is. He's got. He's got chops. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he's. It, this is a great year for him. Delicious. Um, so it's. Uh, so, uh, it launches uh, him into oh dangerous worlds of religious fanaticism and political intrigue. So. Um, I'm very, very interested to see what this kid is going to do. He's not a kid. He's like probably 32 or something. No, he was born in 82. Yeah, so he's like 34. But wow. He, yeah, but he's he's great. Looks good. Yeah, he's, and he's, he's, he's adorable. The movie sounds good, too. Yeah, he's adorable. All right. Um, and then uh, the rest of my picks are by word of mouth, so things that have uh, made a splash at other festivals. Uh, so The Birth of a Nation, which we talked about before. We talked about the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about uh, the 1916, what? 
Hold on. Oh, yeah, so uh, D.W. Griffith's uh, 1916 film um, that glorified the KKK, uh, Nate Parker decided to name his movie the same thing um, in a sly wink and nod. Uh, I think it's more of a F.U., but... Well, yeah, 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 I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, like it's, there is definitely subtext to this. Like, this is not just a, yeah. this is not an arbitrary, or an arbitrarily selected title. Um, it's it's not like how in Begin Again, the uh, Adam Levine character doesn't realize he's named his album On the Road, same as like the Kerouac <laughs> thing. He just thought, because he recorded oh, it on, the on the Road, that was yes. a good name yes. for his album. Yes, there was intent here. Yeah. Uh, this is about Nat Turner, who led a slave rebellion against uh, plantation owners in 1831. Um, American Honey, um, which won the Grand Prix, the Grand Jury Prize at Cannes. Um, the woman who directed it, Andrea Arnold, directed Fish Tank. And which I saw yeah, at the I festival. Loved, yeah, yeah, also with Fassbender. Yeah. And Wuthering Heights, also with Fassbender. Uh, Fassbender's not in this. Um, the trailer, I don't know that I want to see this movie based on the trailer, but it's had, uh, there's been so much acclaim that's come this movie, come this movie's way. Um, and also another, another thing in the, and the uh, negative column is that uh, Shia LaBeouf is one of the stars. Um, oh, I watched the trailer for this. I was interested, even though he's in it. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. It seems like a, a southern a southern version of kids, basically. Or yeah, if if it can capture sort of some of the irreverence of kids, or um, what was the movie with um, Jared Leto? Not Jared Leto. Um, Spring Breakers. Yeah, Spring Breakers. Yeah, yeah the Harmony Korean movie, um, but. Wild Children... Franco. They, Franco was yes. in that. But, but Wild Children Frightened Me. Um, so I don't know if this movie's going to make me uncomfortable. Like sometimes when I watch a movie, I'm so uncomfortable because uh, what's happening on the screen is too unpredictable and I get nervous. So, and this movie seems like that kind of movie. Like I just, it won't be a pleasure, uh, it won't be a pleasurable viewing experience. Yeah, if I'm choosing between this, like let's say there's that thing that happens where it seems like everything you want to see is on the same, si- same time slot... If I'm choosing between this and, let's say, Birth of a Nation, I'll go for Birth of oh, a totally. Nation. Oh, totally. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, and then The Handmaiden, um, which, uh, so this is a Korean film um, about a crook turned servant. Um, she falls for a vulnerable, oh, sorry, a crook turned servant falls for the vulnerable heiress she had originally schemed to swindle. In this audacious, visually sumptuous, and highly erotic period piece from acclaimed writer-director Park Chan-wook. So... Uh, but this movie's had a lot of um, people have been talking about it uh, for a, a long time, and it sounds it sounds crazy. Like, and whoever picks the Korean films for the festival, yeah. usually they're amazing. So it it's hard to miss. And Korean movies are they're audacious. Like we sort of think of, and when I say we, I don't. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about me. But uh, Korean movies always surprise me because they're so off the wall crazy, and it's society. It, in a society that I think is more conservative than North American society, the movies are really, really out there, visually, thematically. Um, so, uh, but once again, this is, uh, it's kind of more of a curiosity, so um, if it comes down to choosing this and something else, I probably will believe this off the list. Um, then there's American Pastoral, um, based on a Philip Roth novel. Even McGregor uh, is... Uh, directing and starring, but it's got Jennifer Connelly and Dakota Fanning, not people who inspire any particular. Yeah, I got excited when I saw his name. Yeah, and then, um, and finally, I think it's finally. Yeah, Patterson. So it's a film from Jim Jarmusch, 
uh, about a working class poet. Uh, he's actually a bus driver, uh, played by Adam Driver. Adam, uh. Adam Bus Driver uh, in a small New Jersey town who practices his craft amid the magic, the quiet magic, magic of, of everyday, everyday life. life. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Once right. again, it sounds it sounds terrible, but as I said, all of these movies have uh, premiered elsewhere and have had uh, really positive acclaim. So even though uh, they may not necessarily be at my alley, they're at least known quantities. All right. I mean, that one seems the iffiest. I, I... <laughs> Why do you hate Adam Driver? I, I don't hate him. I just, I didn't like him actually until This Is Where I Leave You. What's and that, that was, oh, the, it had Bateman Tina and Tina Fey and whatever. And Stahl, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never saw But that. he was just playing like the goofy brother. younger brother, yeah. but he was actually quite good in it. I, I didn't see the appeal until that movie. Right. Uh, but, you know, hey, who knows? I don't know if I want to see something with him as the lead. Uh, I don't know either. I, but I, I have a lot of questions about that. But I, so uh, what I've highlighted here, though, is Jim Jarmusch. I've been a Jim Jarmusch fan for a really long time. Um, so, and I can't remember the last Jim Jarmusch movie I saw. Hmm. So how big a fan am I really? Oh, my God. Coffee and I, cigarettes? No, no, no. He made Was that him? him? Yes, but he also made... Um, I could hear people from Wu-Tang say Bill Murray a million times. He made uh, <laughs> uh, the movie with um, Hiddleston and uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. I think that was Jim Jarmusch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I, a movie I did not like at all. I didn't. But it was something. It was. It I was, was hoping was for, for more. Yes. It was just, I mean. On second thought, I realized there's parts of that movie I liked way more than I thought I did, but I feel like I liked the sort of time in like the beatdown house that sort of seemed. Yes. Like, that part. The part where yeah. Anton Yelchin came into the house and he and, and me and Wachikoska were interacting. Yeah. That's when the movie came alive, when it was just about. Uh, the old vampires and yeah. the ennui of it having lived for centuries. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was they, over it. Things are hard all over. I mean, the thing about that film is that you could have substituted um, vampire for uh, extremely wealthy and the film would have been exactly the same. Right. I wouldn't even call that a vampire film. But, uh, but at least he's doing interesting things. They don't always catch fire, but... Um, I'll see a Jim Jarmusch movie just because he doesn't make films like anybody else. That's true. You're in for something. Yes, but God knows what. I'll probably I'm in for something, and I'll probably come out like all angry, like what the fuck? I do this every time. Like how many times are you gonna burn me? True statement. That's all my. It's all my own fault. So we'll we'll ponder your picks, and we're gonna come back and talk about the announcements for a Midnight Madness segment, and we'll see. Have, I feel like doing something dumb like shooting myself on the foot and getting a Midnight Madness pass on top of the pass I already got this year. Do it! Oh my god. Do I was it! I so tired last year. Oh, well, yeah. So tired. That's why you should do it. I'm actually too old for this shit. Well, but yeah. I don't know. Murtaugh keeps going out in them streets. Why can't I? Exactly. Like, I'm definitely not watching the Lethal Weapon TV show. It's, like only, it's only 10 days out of a year. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll be back. And we'll be black. And we're back? Yes, we are back. I'm not saying it this time. No. Psych. We were digging for ice cubes and came up with a great idea for a snack. Yeah, okay. I, 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 we'll have the snack next time. Yeah, let's hope so. And <laughs> I think it could happen. It's one dream that can come true. Yeah. We're going to talk about Midnight Madness now. So uh, for those of you who listened to the show, obviously you recall my quandary last year when I saw that Green Room was coming and my paranoia that they would make it premium. So I bought an entire Midnight Madness pack for the first time ever 
just to make sure I got a ticket to that movie without having to try to get tickets for a premium film. This year, I didn't plan on buying a Midnight Madness pack on top of my package. However, there's a lot of interesting picks there. And I kind of liked having the Midnight Madness pack because then I had like one ticket for every Midnight Madness movie. Right. And I didn't go to all of them. I gave a couple away. But it was just like the luxury of having them. It was nice. Well, yeah. Like it's always better to have more than than less. But I always, anytime I've ever missed a film festival movie, and mind you, for the past few years, I've only been seeing 10, but in the days where I would see 35 or 40, I always regretted not going to movies. So each year, I just, just from sheer exhaustion, I would miss one or two, and I always regretted it. Um, the Voices is the one I missed that I really regret missing. What's The Voices? It was, I think it was our new favorite Canadian, Ryan. Yeah, right, yeah, that's what I thought. It was Ryan yeah. Reynolds, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a couple of festivals ago. I actually was like full on not healthy, feeling healthy enough yeah. to get out one day. And of the three movies I missed that day, that's the one I still regret missing the most. Well, have you seen it in the interim? No. No. I'm still so mad at myself. <laughs> so. <laughs> you could probably fix that tonight. I, I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could. So of the films, and I'm sort of sorting them in order of my general interest based on Maybe not as clean a taxonomy as Mel's, but just by browsing. And the photo, uh, Free Fire, directed by Ben Wheatley. He's a Midnight Madness favorite. I think almost every one of his movies has been in Midnight mm-hmm. Madness. And this features Brie Larson. Love her. Army Hammer. Mm, he's okay. I finally watched Man from Uncle. You know what? Didn't hate it. No, you know what? Uh, first time Henry... Well, no, that's a lie. Henry Cavill was actually very charming in The Tudors. Yeah. But, but he was really, really likable in... Um, yeah. Totes. And, Uncle. uh... And Vikander. We like her. Killian Murphy? Yeah, Killian. Killian Murphy? Artsy. Yeah. Killian softly. About a weapons deal gone wrong that escalates into a manic, bullet-riddled standoff inside an abandoned warehouse. I like anything that ends in a stand-up inside a... Stand-off yes. inside a abandoned yes. warehouse. Yes. Take me back to Reservoir Dogs. A whole bunch of people pointing guns at each other because they don't know who they can trust. Absolutely. And also, Shalto Copley. Oh, yeah. You may know him as... The guy who kept popping up as different people in Hardcore. Spoilers for Hardcore. Right. Yeah. So, this looks pretty interesting. And I feel like if there's, if I only see one Midnight Madness at Madness, Midnight Madness at Alone 59, whatever, this might be the one. Is that Shelter Copley on the far right because he looks like Pete Townsend? No. I don't think that's him. Unless it's really terrible makeup. I don't know. I feel like Shelter Copley would probably be somebody that they are shooting against. I feel like he would be the head of the bad guys. I don't think that looks like him. Well, I don't think it looks like him either, but it doesn't... It does not, not look, look like, like him. him. They all look alike. <laughs> That's true. And oh. the other movie that looks super interesting, The Girl with All the Gifts. And I don't even want to describe the photo. I'm just going to say, go look at the stills from this oh. on the TIFF site. A sweet little girl who may hold the key to a cure for the zombie virus that has decimated most of the world's population escapes from a military compound and sets out to find her place in the world. So if you like Stranger Things, you might love this movie, The Girl with All the Gifts. Looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. Gemma Erdogan. United Kingdom is a country of origin. Language is English. Gemma Erdogan, Patty Considine, Glenn Close. Yeah. And Sanian Nanua, who I assume is the girl. Yeah. This looks like super interesting. It okay. definitely looks like the kind of movie that probably wouldn't have gotten a lot of uh, attention, something close to a wide release or buzz if it didn't end up in a program like Midnight Madness. Like It looks interesting just even from a distance, but I think this is the kind of movie, much like Hardcore last year, that uh, being in the festival circus, it helps 
it helps it get a little bit more uh, attention. So that looks fun. Now the next movie. Cause what is happening? I also try to see movies where there's more ladies in them as leads. Like the Ben Wheatley is more of your typical, like there's one girl and a bunch of guys. Yes. Uh, but uh, the girl with all the gifts and this one, Raw, look to definitely be have more ladies. Also directed by a lady, Julia Ducarneau. Uh, this is uh, country of origins, France slash Belgium. Uh, this is an international premiere. Oh, uh, it's French. So if you're going to see it, the Ryerson, and you don't actually understand French, being in the upper balcony may be a problem. Being anywhere on the lower floor behind somebody oh, who's super tall right? may also be a problem. Yeah. So think about your sight lines if you don't know French. A shy vegetarian student at a veterinary college develops oh, an insatiable gosh. lust. Oh, I love. The word insatiable when it's paired with the word lust. Yes. It's so good. For flesh, as the result of a gruesome hazing ritual in this grisly and gory tale of a cannibalistic coming of age. Okay, this sounds crazy. I'm sold. Under your whole, like, based on, like, and, the words uh, in the description. Like, yeah, that's it. That's kind of all I Yeah, need. that's all. Yeah, you're, you're in just based on what that says. Yeah, I don't recognize any of the people in the cast. Uh, that the international sales agent is Wild Bunch, that's a kind of a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, they did all the Rodriguez stuff yeah. back in the day. Yeah, so you know what? I'm interested. Well, I, I uh, yeah, uh, it sounds fascinating and it could go several ways. <laughs> <laughs> and our next one that I'm super interested in, Headshot, from Indonesia. So, World the guy Fire. from The Raid... Uh, stars in this fast and furious actioner as an amnesiac whose mysterious past as a killing machine comes to the fore when he takes on the henchman of a vengeful drug lord. Now, this is a very kind of... We've seen this plot a million times, but it's the guy from The Raid. Yeah, I mean, I am not a... Um, like, an action movie person. I'm not... Um, like, some people really like Asian um, action films. It's not my bag, but... It's totally my bag. But I totally love both Raid movies. This guy is amazing. These incredibly long, intensely choreographed, like 20 minute, half an hour fighting sequences, all shot inside a building in single takes. Like, this guy is an amazing, amazing fighter. So An actor, because you can see him. It doesn't look like he's counting punches or choreography. Oh, yeah, no, no. Like, yeah. he's, it, he's fantastic. So uh, I would see this movie because he is incredible. Like, he's just. He's fantastic. Yeah. And if he was uh, American or British, he would be a huge star. He would be. He was, he was actually rather attractive. He's, yeah. He could get it. Yeah, he, he, can, he totally he can get it. could get it. All right. So next one is The Belco Experiment. Uh, country of origin is USA. Office politics turned into a real-life survival of the fittest. I do like anything that's Hunger Game themes. Yeah. Because I feel like that's my life. When a group of co-workers are forced into a sick game of kill or be killed <laughs> by sinister forces who lock down their building in this gruesomely funny horror film from director Greg McLean, Wolf Creek, and writer James Gunn, Slither Guardians of the Galaxy. And so it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And also, James Gunn is doing what he continues to do, which is get his... Uh, I think it's his brother, Sean Gunn, into the movie. Sean Gunn, you may know him as Kirk from Gilmore Girls. But he was also one of the he was also one of the Ravagers. But he's also the person Mm. who did a lot of the on set mocap for the CGI characters. Like so um, Pretty McPrettyson did the voice for Rocket Raccoon. However, 
Uh, so a lot of the on uh, set mocap and like right. the walking around, like, and there's yeah. staff of him in the special features sort of like on his knees kind of moving around and like a lot of the fun movements that they captured. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly sure, I don't know, but I bet the sort of crotch grab and their slow motion uh, <laughs> character walk that yeah. came from Sean Gunn and not necessarily from Pretty Mink Peterson, whose name I can't remember right now. Uh, you're thinking of Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, yeah. yes. Pretty Mink Peterson. Yeah, but yeah. And Abraham Ben Ruby is in this as well. Oh, from uh, you may remember ER. him from Parker Lewis can't lose. I remember from ER. He yeah, was orderly for years. Absolutely, he's he's America's Hodor. He is actually. Yeah, so that looks fun too. So here's my challenge: is normally there's maybe only two or three Midnight Madnesses that I feel like, oh, this would be really good. Right. This year it's already at the four or five movie mark, so this is where I'm thinking, ah, crap. Maybe I should just get the damn pass. Moving on to, this is the one that probably has the most word of mouth yes. out of them. This will probably be the opening yeah. night one, the one I'm least interested in, but it still might be good, the Blair Witch. But you know, or just new, Blair Witch. But you know that this is going to be a thing no matter what. Like yeah, this will be out super soon. Yeah. So even if I got the Midnight Madness Pass, this is the one I'm least likely to actually see. A man seeks answers to the disappearance of his sister by venturing into an ominous, potentially haunted forest. In this nerve-wracking, found-footage thriller from Midnight Madness veterans Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett. You're next and the guest. Uh, so, this has a bunch of people in it that are at least, you know, semi-unknown. Yeah, they're, they're entirely unknown except yeah. to their friends and family, I bet. Yeah. So it might be interesting. I mean, it looks the visuals. I watched the trailer. It looks good, but not sure. But again, it probably won't be bad. Now the next one. Here's the thing. There's a lot of Midnight Madness movies for some reason have a very uh, corners office space theme. They're, one of the most disturbing ones I've ever seen is a movie called Dead Girl, where uh, these that. kids find a body in a hospital and yes, of a hot girl and proceed to. They, yeah. Don't they ravage her? Yeah. 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 Because she's not entirely dead. She's just mostly dead. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> there are probably some corporate training videos about things like that. Yeah. yeah. Consent. Yeah. Or lack thereof. But I remember that being actually... I liked it. I liked it too. Yeah. But you just need to be ready yeah, for... It was a bit, I mean, it's Midnight Madness. I mean, yeah. a lot of these movies are just fucked up on principle. Like, that's the whole point. That's the resonatra of Midnight Madness is to show movies that are... Um, Outside of the norm, right? So under being interested from, like, the slug line, father and son coroners, Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch. I was like, okay. Oh, I wonder who was There that. we go. Yeah, I, I saw... Father and son coroners, yes. Brian Cox and Emile yeah. Hirsch. That's like, I was almost ready to buy in yeah. then. Enter a world of terror while conducting a late-night autopsy on a murdered young woman in the English-language debut of Norwegian fearmonger... Oh, my God. I would love to be considered Norwegian <laughs> fearmonger. <laughs> this is the best title I've ever heard. I'm getting a t-shirt that says Norwegian Fearmonger. And I can't pronounce it the Norwegian Fearmonger's name. Overdahl. Yeah. From Trollhunter. Overdahl. Overdahl. Norwegian Fearmonger? Yeah. 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 Oh my god. Uh, and the cast includes uh, Emil Hirsch, Brian Cox, Olin Kelly, Michael McAllerton, uh, Ophelia Lovibund. I don't know yeah, who yeah, half no, of those no, people that's... are, which actually is a good sign. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... The less you know who they are, the yeah. often the better the Midnight Man is yes. from us. Now, this one I initially didn't even want to click on because the still is a giant picture of a rat 
And the movie is called Rats, directed by Morgan Spurlock. You may remember him from the documentary Too Much McDonald's. I remember him from the time I saw him at Gabby's, and I'm pretty sure I elbowed him out of the way because I needed a beer when I crashed the South by Southwest tip party. Nice man, though. Didn't get too fussed. He could see that I was a thirsty Canadian and not in a thirsty for him way, more of a I needed beer and it had been a four-movie day. With his mustache like that. It's like, yeah. he's a very friendly handlebar mustache kind yeah. of guy. Yeah, yeah. He'd be in a biker gang, but they'd be really sensitive and they would like drop off stuff toys for orphans. That's the kind of gang he'd be in. Yeah. So Morgan Spurlock takes us on an unnerving and sometimes grisly globe-trotting journey to explore different cultures' methods of controlling, killing, or profiting off the common rat. How do you profit off a rat? I guess you'd find out if you see it. <laughs> I guess I would. Yeah. I don't know if I want to, but I'm kind of interested. Yeah, that sounds gross to me. I, I would have to be a hard no for me. Um, next movie, Sadako versus Keoko. Keako. Mm. I don't know. I think that's really anyway. It's basically it's basically the Grudge versus the Ring. Literally, like they <laughs> say that in the description. <laughs> Two iconic J-horror franchises face off in this wild monster mashup that pits the house-haunting phantoms of the grudge against the analog-to-digital demon of the ring. So this is uh, Predator versus... Uh, uh, Alien. Alien, but of weird girls climbing Mm. on stairs and whatnot, or climbing out of televisions. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So that's for someone, just not for me. So what did, what did you flag it, though? Uh, I didn't flag it. I just opened them all up. I sort of put them in the order of interest. Oh, okay, okay, like, if okay. I did get the whole Midnight Madness pass, right. oh, what right. is my likelihood of watching them? Yes. I would see Rats before I see The Grudge versus yes. The Ring. And now with the last one, Dog Eat Dog. Uh, Nicolas Cage and Willem Dafoe star in this blackly comic crime caper from director Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader? Paul Schrader who wrote Taxi Driver? Yes. And about a crew of ex-cons hired by... Cleveland mafioso to kidnap the baby of a rival lobster. Oh, so even I though that I've, much higher on my list. Even though I've heard nothing about this, I feel like this will get released anyway, which is why I put mm-hmm. it lower. Uh, I did love uh, Bad Lieutenant, Protocol New Orleans, which I feel like is really where Nicolas Cage's new lane is that he should stay in, sort of like mm-hmm. crazy, creepy, yeah. corrupt officer. Yes. Uh, I also like feel... The Lord of War was actually really good, too, with him and yeah. uh, uh, the kid with the hair lip. Yeah, I just put this lower partially because... Of, yeah, I just thought if I had to make tough choices or if I could get into something for free drinks, I'd be likely to drop this one. But if I was like really into, you know, any of those first few, especially a headshot or whatever, yeah. I'd probably still go to the movie. Yeah. So I also have to think of it like that. But yeah, I could have put this one before The Ring versus The Grudge. But yeah, those. If I get a Midnight Madness Pass, I probably wouldn't watch those. Well, I, I know somebody who lives right around the corner from the Ryerson Theater, so. Right. Yes. Maybe <laughs> I should just, like, rent out some space in their place that week instead of having to go home every oh, night. Oh, that's a Yeah, that's... Yeah, there's a certain quid pro quo. Yeah. All right. We also have a guest suite for $79 a night. But it's probably already booked up for that week, isn't it? Oh, well, I don't know. There's a booking system. I mean, that's... We're really getting... We need to get into that. Off topic now. All right. So, yeah. So, that's Midnight Madness, folks. Uh, I strongly recommend it, especially if you are okay with staying up late to watch a movie, because it's a great way to get that good festival experience, because every midnight screening is a first screening. You for sure get some, if not the entire cast and writer and director there for the movie. Uh, The crowd is super hype. Mm -hmm. And... If you're only going to see one movie, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of fun usually. And in terms of uh, seating and sightlines, it's 
probably one of the shittiest theaters. So if you don't speak the language where the movie's from, either line up two hours early or go for one of the English-speaking ones. Yeah. All right. So that's it. So for the early picks, I think next week we're going to try to get Floyd on. Yes. To go deeper on Gina the Joneses and do a few more. Festival exclusive. Yeah. And then do a few more things on early picks before the schedule comes out. So the one after that will hopefully be once the actual schedule's out. So I'll be exhausted because I'll probably spend all night uh, making uh, some sort of grid-based spreadsheet thing. And the schedule comes out on the 22nd of August, correct? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, that seems so soon. It is so soon. Oh, no. Yeah. So, yes, we definitely want to give listener the chance to take advantage (laughs) of all of our research to save their time, if not ours. Uh Uh-huh. So any last thoughts? Anything that you're super excited about? Anything yeah. from Midnight Madness that you might want to add now to your list of things that you're interested in? I mean... The one with the kid from the raid looks interesting. Yes. Um, there was another one in there that looked... Headshot. Yeah, headshot. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely consider that. Um, but, I mean, I have so little... Because I see... I mean, who knows? This year I might actually pick up some additional movies. Depends on how I feel. I mean, you're close enough to the horizon that you could pick up a single ticket for yeah, any of the Midnight Madness. That's Madnesses. true. Like, I could just go in the afternoon and see if anything's yeah. there. Um, but, yeah. Uh, typically, like, I'm not a Midnight Madness person, but each year there is at least one film in the Midnight Madness program that is for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. like it's, And I do try to get at least a cross-section of all the programs. Uh, obviously, no Canada First, no Wavelengths, no Vanguard. None of that bullshit. But I do try to get um, like a few documentaries, a, like a Midnight Madness, uh, a lot of um, contemporary world cinema, which is probably my favorite, and special presentations. And you could always go for a second screening of Autopsy of Jane Doe if your schedule has overlapping yeah. for yeah, everything true. that you like. Yeah. Because I feel like that one is the most you of all of these. And quite frankly, like it's when a, when you buy a pass, you, you're still paying the same amount that you pay for a single ticket. It's just that you're paying it at once. So it doesn't seem as expensive, yeah. but it is. So uh, there's really nothing preventing me from picking up um, like three or four additional tickets uh, when single tickets become available, except the shared nightmare of having to go down there and deal with the box office. Um, but yeah, I could totally do that this year. Oh, sounds good. I'll think about it. So maybe I'll see you at midnight one night. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. Maybe I'll show up, much like a shuffling zombie, to bang on your door to try to sleep over. <laughs> Or we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, my, my buzzer doesn't work. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> so we'll talk to you and hopefully Floyd next week. Thanks. Yes. Peace.